podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. State of mind, I'm Paul John Dykes. And when I say I'm delighted to be joined by JP Mason, I've got to say I really mean that, JP, because I'll only appear now on the Axon Bulletin once a week. That's the plan. Uh, so I get an opportunity to catch up with you once a week, but I get an opportunity to talk about Celtic once a week. And just before we came on air, I had to I have to mention this. I'm sitting here in the studio this morning. We did a a live show last night for the first time, JP, and I don't want to go on too much about music, but I'm going to have to mention it. Anyway, it's it's called the Oasis Album Club, and we're going to go through every Oasis album chronologically, including the solo stuff, and we're going to do a listening party. So it was me, Kevin, and Russell last night in the studio. I'm and up we for live. Here now, by the way. I'm up for being here now, big time. Oh, brilliant, mate. Come into the studio, let's do it, because, you know, it's... I just think it's one of the albums that's that gets a hard rap, and uh, I might have a few comments to make. So I come in this morning, and I'm a wee bit tired because we were in the studio to the back of ten last night, and I'm getting old, mate. I kind of do these late nights, but we will be talking to you in a wee minute or two about yeah. your late night at Halloween. And some good soul has sent Axom, the Axom team, two boxes of pies and bovril. For tonight's game, two boxes. You opened them up. There was like a big blocky ice in each box. Macaroni pies. So they obviously know I'm vegetarian. Minced meat pies and loads of bovril. How kind is that? I mean, that's that's above and beyond. Let's let's hope they've not come from uh, the other side and uh, <laughs> filled with anything, any sort of mystery meat. But um, no, that's, 
Mystery really meat. Cool. JP, you know, I wouldn't even have checked that, right? But now I've got that story, Jimmy Five Bellies in Italy that Gascoigne told um, and what was in his special mincemeat pie. So I will get them checked. But I'm on the macaroni ones anyway. And for anyone who cares to join us in Axrom Studio for tonight, tonight's game, there are loads of pies. There's two boxes full of pies. So I put it out in the WhatsApp group. JP, I said, who wants to join us tonight? First up was Lawrence Conley. He's coming through in person because he likes a pie or two. Anyway, that's what we're doing tonight. We're talking about late nights and how I'm too old for them. And uh, I need to be in my kip for 11 o'clock at night. That wasn't you last week. And that was your Halloween night out before the game against Livingston. Uh, what was worse, the performance or your hangover? I mean, they, they definitely they definitely match up against each other. It was a it was a hellish hangover. I'm not going to lie. I went to uh, of all places the garage on Socky Hall Street, which is uh, it's not my usual haunt. But um, I was I was out with some uh, former work colleagues. Uh, we'd never had a night out together because um, we worked together through the pandemic in uh, Tesco at St Rollocks of all places, which is what I did uh, in my time uh, throughout the pandemic, whilst I couldn't do my own job. Um, to save my sanity so we had a night out and uh, copious amounts of drink were were had uh, I was dressed as Patrick Bateman from American Psycho um, which I thought would be lost on well not only the people that I was out with but the rest of the clientele in the, in the garage but turns out I was wrong so many people came up going mate costumes amazing like quoting lines from the film but, and I was like how the hell like I have no idea how people knew the film, I mean, I didn't realise it was that popular because it's, it's a bit of a kind of cult classic American it's side. It's got a cult following now, hasn't it, JP? Yeah, 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 it has. And I, it's, I saw it when it came out in a wee cinema in Nice in uh, uh, south of France called Rialto, which is kind of like a kind of, like a film house cameo affair, but in, in Nice. And I saw it, it came out. And remember the scene where he kills Jared Leto with the axe? And a load of people got up and walked out in disgust. And I thought, well, I mean, the film's called American Psycho. It's it's hardly a Disney affair, do you know what I mean? So I don't really know what they're expecting. But anyway, I was dressed as that. Lots of pints of venom. <laughs> I mean, I don't, it's not so. Again, that's not my usual way, uh, my usual tipple. But I somehow got up and made it to the game on Saturday. Uh, got a bus from uh, where I stay in, in Mary Hill, and I was glad that it actually bypassed the town because it is COP twenty six stuff. So mm. I went along Buchanan Street and then through uh, Duke Street uh, and, and I must have shaved about half an hour, 40 minutes off my journey so I actually made kickoff. Some people would say that's a, not a good thing but um, I, I, it just Saturday, I mean it's been talked about a lot this week and it, it, it wasn't the best was it? It was just yet another We've drawn now now with Livingston We've drawn now now with Livingston quite a few times at home and you thought to yourself after Wednesday, I don't think anybody could be, you know, lambasted for uh, going in there with a lot, going into that game with a lot of optimism after after Wednesday's game against Sibs. I thought, right, we're flying. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's starting to, you know, really click. And, and then we just came up against a, a big, solid, you know, black-shirted wall of Livingston players and we couldn't get by them. And it's just so frustrating. And then the penalty... <laughs> Anyway, in the last minute, I mean, I, I didn't even see the hit on Furuhashi, I didn't see it. So I looked away, looked back, and then all of a sudden there's a red card in there and, you know, the players are assembling for a penalty. And and then I thought, right, Juranovic, here we go. And then you see Giacomakis with the ball and you're like, what's going on? Um, but 
it's one of them. It's it's been and gone now. We, we have to focus on the next game, and mm-hmm. and that's tonight. Wish I was in Budapest, but you know I'm not that mental to go out uh, to a foreign country at the moment in these in these circumstances with no ticket and with no guarantee of getting into the game. Um, I'm sure people will try and probably make it in, but to me it just doesn't seem like the right. I'm not having I'm not having a pop at the people that have gone. You know, fair play to them if you if you want to go gung ho and go somewhere like that. That's up to you. But it, to me, it just doesn't seem right at this moment in time to be going away. Uh, in Europe, it doesn't. It's not that it doesn't feel right. It's just we've not got an allocation. We're not all together in the stadium. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it normally does. You know, when you go away and there's that kind of sense of camaraderie and everything else. Um, so that's my opinion on that. But yeah, tonight's tonight's a big one. Uh, it's a big one. I mean, Kevin McCluskey uh, for regular Axon viewers. Uh, you know, Kevin is our Hungarian. Uh, correspondent. He is originally from Stirling, but he, he lives over there with his wife and, and child. And he will be at the game tonight. And we hope to dial in, possibly pre match and post match, uh, for a wee bit of in stadium update from Kev. Kev wrote a fantastic blog, so check it out. Kevin McCluskey can be found on Twitter, Magyar Boy. Uh, check it out because he speaks uh, in some great detail uh, with, with some authority about Ferenc Varos and how they've been playing since we last met them as well, JP. So check it out. They've played three games domestically, uh, a nothing each stalemate against MTK Budapest. Um, some Celtic fans uh, will be aware of this, but we played them in the semi-final of the Cup Winners' Cup 1964, JP, MTK. We beat them 3-0 at home. Uh, we went away from home at this time. Jimmy McGrory was the manager of Celtic. And the team talk, which had been given by Sir Robert Kelly, who was just Rab Kelly back then, was that we had to go out and we had to attack, even though we had a 3 nothing lead. And lo and behold, MTK beat us 4-0 to get through to the European Cup Winners' Cup final. That would have been our final in 1964-65. Bizarre. Um, but they drew nothing each with them. They beat a team called Tokol in the Cup 7-0, but don't allow that to um, make you think that they're in free-scoring form. Apparently, the the team are a, a lower division side from the equivalent of the Lowland League. And they've beaten uh, Guayamot 2-0 in the league. So they're on not not bad form at the moment. However, there is a, a section of the Fenisvaros fan base who are unhappy with the manager at this moment in time. Uh, Peter Stoger, the Austrian, who is struggling to win over the fans since the departure of Sergei Rebrov in the summer because he was a bit of a fan's favourite and he'd done so well for them. So they are struggling a wee bit. It's maybe a good time to play them. Uh, in that respect, but in terms of the Livingston game, and as you say, it's been spoken about all week, I won't labour it, but I will link it into tonight's into tonight's game. I had watched the Hibs game, uh, like yourself and everybody else, and I was really enthused with the performance. I agreed with Ange Postacoglu, I felt it was the best half an hour of football I've seen under him, under his stewardship. Um, and I think that that probably skewed my view of the entire game. So I, I came away for the Hibs game thinking, uh, you know, we absolutely romped that. But now when I'm looking at the Hibs and the Livingston game um, collectively, I'm wondering if, you know, we probably played similarly um, against Hibs after Rogic was taken off as we did against Livy in terms of not making as many chances, completely controlling the game, having the lion's share of possession, but not really 
finding the openings. And Rogic is that guy, you know, he's the one who has that wizardry, JP. And I think we missed him immensely, which is quite worrying because one player, maybe other than Callum McGregor, shouldn't have that big an impact on our game plan. Especially a player that was nearly leaving the club, you know. Uh, He was almost surplus to requirements and you know, we talked about it last week. A lot of people had kind of made their peace for the fact that he was going to go, and you know, thanks for the memories and everything else. And and now we're kind of hanging our hat on him for as a, as a first team player and as a guy that's going to win matches for us and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's it just it it shows up. And again, this has been spoken about. I know uh, uh, Kevin, the guys talked about it yesterday. It shows up the kind of slightly threadbare nature of our squad in that we don't have two players for every position. You know, we've got we've got we've got midfielders but they're all they're all we've all got different roles and they don't mm. they can't all fulfil each other's roles or anything like that, you know. So Beaton coming in, I mean he was lambasted on various uh, bulletins this week. I'll lambast him again. I thought he was poor on Saturday. I thought his distribution was 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 pretty poor. His his touch, his passing not great, you know, just not incisive. And you really, really saw a huge difference between uh, Saturday's midfield and Wednesday's midfield without Rogic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I don't know what the answer is. It, it definitely shows up uh, where we need to strengthen in, in January. You know, there's no no two ways about it. We need somebody else. To, I mean, did, did Kev read out the stats about how many minutes Rogic has played this season already compared yeah. to last season? That is absolutely mental. I mean, he was he was stat old boy yesterday, but I was quite impressed with it because he was coming out with all these mad stats <laughs> that, that, that that are showing up. You know the absolute difference in what players are being asked to contribute this season versus what they've been asked or expected to contribute in previous. Kevin Graham has changed. I'm going to say that right now, JP. He's he's gone all stat on us, and in actual fact. It probably suits that role in the Axrom team. If you think back to fantasy football that we used to watch with Skinner and Badil, the Stato character sitting there with his cardigan on and his specs. Sorry, Kev, I know you're watching, mate. Um, but yes, when Be Here Now comes along, JP will make sure you're part of that because yeah. I've got a lot to say about that album. A hell of a lot. Um, we're talking about, and, and I'm probably going to jump forward a wee bit here, we're talking about the kind of midfield issue and we'll be talking um, throughout the show as to how we're going to line up tonight. But it is a, a slight issue at this moment in time when, when a player like Rogic or McGregor or Kyogo um, and, or Starfelt, and we'll talk about that, drop out, then we really are scratching about to try and get a replacement in there. Um, and I found it very interesting uh, earlier on today, I'm watching a video um, with Victor Wanyama, uh, who was speaking about how when he was at Spurs, Neil Lennon wanted to sign him for Celtic. Now, I loved Wanyama. I actually did. I thought he was absolutely brilliant at Celtic. I knew he was going to be one of these, um, you know, the next in a long procession of Celtic players who were going to make that step up and go down south and make us a lot of money. I knew that. I remember the uh, the Fur Hill game. It was a friendly and it was the return of Emilio Izaguiri after his leg break. And we went to Fur Hill. Uh, the Green Brigade turned up because there was nothing else happening that Saturday or Sunday. A total sellout it was. And um, Emilio comes back. Rasmussen was playing up front. But Wanyama had just signed. And I think it was maybe the day before he had just arrived in Scotland. And he just standing there at the dugout. 900 grand. I think we're seeing him from, was it Beershot? 
yeah. in Belgium, and you're thinking, you know, we've, we've seen so many players coming in for that kind of fee, but he was a revelation at Celtic. Now, when a player talks fondly of Celtic, you know, he's in my good book straight away. But what he was saying is Celtic were the club that I would love to play for. Um, again and again, they're more than a club. I want to come back and give it a last go there. I love the club. I love the people. They're fans. Now, that's what he said. Um, Neil Lennon obviously uh, had experience of him, having signed him first time round. He was part of the team that beat Barcelona in 2012. Now, am I just uh, romanticising it here? He's 30 years of age. Could he still do a job for Celtic? I mean, well, we've just handed out a contract to uh, James McCarthy, who's currently not doing a job for Celtic at the same age. So, mm-hmm. I mean, do we want to flood the, the squad with with players, you know, uh, who were not 100% sure that we were going to get, you know, minutes out of them? I mean, not not just minutes. I mean, full games. I mean, when, when we signed McCarthy, every single person surely was sceptical about um, what we were going to get from him, and I think if it was to be the, if it was to sign Wanyama again, you know everybody obviously has four memories. Nobody has four memories of James McCarthy playing for Celtic because this is the first time he's been here. But you know people would be maybe expecting the Victor Wanyama of eight nine years ago, and mm. would they necessarily get that? I don't know. I've not seen enough of him uh, in recent years. I mean, am I right in saying he's in the MLS at the moment? Yeah, playing for uh, Montreal just now. Um, he's played 50 games for them, JP, since signing in 2020. So he's played enough football uh, over the last year. It's a decent level. You see a lot of it now. There's quite a bit of coverage on, on Sky Sports with the MLS. Um, he's, he is only 30. I mean, I say only 30 because we're now at a stage, we're now in a generation, JP, of a lot of these footballers having looked after themselves over their careers, they're extending um, their careers into their mid-30s and beyond. Obviously, Jamie McAfee's had some really bad injury issues, which will probably prevent him from doing it. But um, it does seem to be a troublesome position, that defensive midfielder. Uh, and that is exactly what Wanyama gives us. Um, some people may think that it is over-romanticising. Once you've been there, don't go back. Have we had a player coming back and being as effective second time round? I'm thinking Charlie Nicholas, Frank McAvenny, Izagiri. Uh, that's that's the, the immediate people I go back to is is folk like Charlie Nick and This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. 
House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Frank McAvenny, because, you know, I was a wee guy when they came back, and I remember being so excited that Frank McAvenny came back, but he came back at a time when we weren't great, you know? I mean, it was a, it was a pretty brutal time to be a Celtic player and a Celtic fan at, at those times, you know, where there was slim pickings and anything, really. I mean, there was no trophies, there was precious few wins against uh, against Rangers. Um, so it was, is that McAvenny behind you? It is, aye. aye. There he is. Guy. There's Mac right there, yeah, absolutely, brilliant. I mean, when I was a wee guy, McAvenny was 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 my hero. You know, he used the Scottish Cup final '88. That's the first Celtic game I remember watching with my dad mm-hmm. on the TV, mm-hmm. and just you know, being completely you know enamoured by McAvenny. When he goes down and holds his hands when he scores and he realizes what he's done, I mean, it's it's immortal. It's absolutely immortal in Celtic's history. And um, so when he came back, it was great. Uh, I wasn't there that night against Barcelona. I couldn't get a ticket. That was in my Celtic season ticket hiatus. I think I had four years out in the wilderness uh, due to a, a holiday to Turkey, which was my, my choice of a holiday to Turkey or a season ticket. And uh, So I wasn't there that night against Barcelona. I watched in a pub in Leith, but I remember falling to the floor in a similar fashion to McAvenny um, when Wanyama scored. And obviously, again, when Tony Watt scored, so and I watched it with a, a Rangers fan as well. So uh, that was that was enjoyable because he spent... also dropped his knees. No, no, he just stood there shaking his head, like, and then called his jammy, and you know, it, it was it was absolutely raging. But um, it was it was a nice moment. Um, but yeah, Banyama I, I, coming back, I, it's it's obviously nice to hear him say positive things about Celtic. It's always nice to hear that from from former players if they genuinely mean it, and I think he does. I know he's just recently retired from international duty. I remember seeing the post about that. So he's obviously putting his concentration on, on, on his club football to help mm-hmm. extend his, his playing career. Um, with what sort of money he'd want. I mean, I, I, I guess you could point to Joe Hart. Joe Hart's come here. And, yeah. Joe, and Joe Hart will know him from Spurs, won't he? And potentially yeah, Cameron Carter-Vickers, I would oh, guess. Yeah, yeah. So we've got a wee contingent yeah. there uh, as Spurs players. I quite like the idea. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, listen, if you say yes or no, there's going to be people disagreeing with you and I totally get that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we've got a good record of bringing guys back and for them being successful second time round. I think Paddy Roberts is another example of that, isn't he? I mean, he came back. But Fraser Forster came back and he was good yeah. second time round, JP. But interestingly enough, it brought back... Um, this information that I was given a few months ago about the, the signing targets that we had for our tilt at 10 in a row, uh, obviously Wanyama was one of them, but James McLean, Danny Drinkwater, Fraser Foster, Charlie Mulgrew and Robert Snodgrass were all on a wish list. Um, obviously, none of them signed, but I do I do think out of that list, I would have loved Foster to come back and I would have taken Wanyama as well. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, oh, indeed. Maybe now, guy might be nothing, but you know. uh, we'll see. We'll see. He's put it. He's put it out there. Referring back to this conversation in uh, six months' time or something, being like, "Remember, we're talking about Vanyama, and he's in a Celtic shirt again." But 
we'll see. We shall see. You were talking about uh, McAvenny dropping to his knees. I always remember when he scores the first goal, uh, Paul McStay going up to him. Uh, and I did ask Frank when I had the pleasure of speaking to him, uh, what did McStay say to you? And he says the conversation between the two of them was, let's go for the winner. So as soon as we equalised that day, they were going for the winner. Um, and if you watch it, you can see the conversation taking place. They, Come on, get the ball, let's go back. We're going to win this game. Uh, so Paul McStay played that game. The year before that, by the way, I was going to say, imagine Nicholas and McAvenny at that stage, 87, 88. Oh. That, that would have been magnificent. Um, back in 87, Paul's big brother, Willie McStay, leaves the club. He had been there, um, strangely enough, although a few years older than Paul, he had made his debut after McStay. Such was the meteoric rise of Paul McStay uh, as a teenager, making his debut as a 17-year-old. But Willie came into the studio yesterday, JP, um, which was an absolute pleasure because for anybody who's spoken to Willie McStay, he is the nicest guy on the planet. And he's just Celtic through and through. And the reason he came through to the studio was he's doing the big sleep out on Saturday for the foundation. Um, and he's going over to Sligo to do the Irish leg of the sleep out. And it all linked in because who signed Willie McStay for Celtic? It was Sean Fallon. Sean Fallon was from Sligo, as we all know. And um, the McStay household were actually preparing for a visit from Nottingham Forest, who were just about to come in and sign Willie McStay for Nottingham Forest, right? He was a highly rated player. He was the captain of the Scottish schoolboys team and Nottingham Forest, who at that time were managed by Brian Clough, were going to sign Willie McStay. Half an hour beforehand, I don't know if they got the tip off, but Sean Fallon and David McParlin turns up at the McStay household. And of course, McStay, the, the name McStay is synonymous with Celtic at this stage because Willie's great uncles, also Willie and Jimmy, had both captained the club. In actual fact, Willie McStay, the first, handed the captain's armband to Jimmy McStay, who went on, his brother, who went on to manage the club. So Willie McStay becomes a third McStay to sign for Celtic. Sean Farlan signs him. He has a career not as successful as his wee brother, of course. He scores against Rangers. He wins the Scottish Cup in 85. He wins the league in 1986. So he has a good career, JP, you know, and then he goes down south. Anyway, he always wanted to be a manager. He was a bit like Davey Moyes in that respect. You know, very early on, gets his badges and he gets an opportunity, lo and behold, to go to Sligo. So he goes to Sligo Rovers. Before he goes, he phones his old um, compadre, Sean Fallon, who tells him, being a Sligonian, go over there, take your family, immerse yourself in Sligo and you'll be a success. He goes over and wins the treble as the player manager of Sligo Rovers. Whilst he's over in Sligo, he arranges for Celtic to come over for a friendly. So Paul McStay's playing for Celtic, Willie McStay's playing for Sligo Rovers, Pat Bonner's playing for Celtic, Pat Bonner's brother is playing for Sligo Rovers. We win one nothing. Rudy Vata scored. And so, it, it, can you remember it? Early 90s? Somebody told me that that was their first game for, uh, that they ever saw. I, I know somebody that said that that was their first game uh, for Celtic. Like, to, to really? watch Celtic. Yeah, yeah, they were they were on a family holiday. and um, I can't remember who it was. That's really annoying me. But uh, yeah, I, I do remember it. And remember them telling me that it was just so bizarre that the, the, the Celtic team was like right there. I mean, it wasn't as if it was like a, you know, a, a San Siro or anything like that. Yeah. You know, that it was a pretty small park and uh, probably uh, where I mean stand JP and then you know just like standing yeah. behind barriers all the way yeah. around the other three uh, that's going to I'll 
if anybody's watching that uh, <laughs> that knows that story, then I'm sure I'll get a text or something like that. But I, you know, I, I have to hold my hands up and say I can't remember who it was that told me that. But it's definitely in my head because mm-hmm. as soon as you said Sligo friendly with Celtic, I was like that that I know somebody that was at that game. So it's incredible. Go. There's a great picture actually on the Celtic wiki and you've got all the Sligo team and all the Celtic team together. Mm. So Willie McStay was a huge success over there. At the final, I think they played Derry City in the in the Irish Cup final. Uh, at that game was none other than Willie's ex-teammate, Tommy Burns. Mm. Tommy had just taken over at Celtic uh, 1994 and he asks Willie McStay to come back to Celtic to get involved in the youth development at the club at that time it needed a complete overhaul Tommy Burns was a visionary in that respect as you know from Lennox Town etc which should be renamed the Tommy Burns training complex or centre I think everybody will agree so Willie McStay comes back from being a very successful player manager over in Sligo Rovers he comes back because the allure of Celtic and and Tommy Burns is too strong and lo and behold there's been a couple of wee uh, moments where he's went and managed on his own his own terms with the likes of Ross County, uh, Uchpest Dossa, interestingly enough, Hungarian side, um, and we'll, we'll be in Hungary tonight. But he's been at Celtic ever since. He turned 60 this month, and he's had a football career since age of 15. As I say, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. But the reason I mention it, JP, is uh, Celtic's obviously um, synonymous with charity, you know, built on charitable kind of reasons and foundations. Brother Walfred, real name Andrew Kieran's also from Sligo, all fits in. Um, you know, Walfred's wish, etc. And the foundation are doing the big sleep out this Saturday. So we interviewed Willie. The video will go out on Friday night on the Axon channel on YouTube. And we'll have all the links underneath. So if you want to give a donation, ever, however small, to Willie's quest to raise some funds uh, for the foundation, all the information will be on the video as well. And what's happened is his wife has gone toe-to-toe, head-to-head, and she's also going to do it. And they're actually competing to see who can get the most money for charity, JP. So look out for that video on Friday night. I did I did meet him, actually. Uh, I, went on a, <laughs> I went on an impromptu, um, unofficial scouting mission to watch Lewis Morgan play for uh, St Mirren against Dumbarton. Remember we'd signed him and then he, he continued to play for St yeah, Mirren. Yeah, I went on a, a Tuesday night or something like that. I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go along and watch this guy, see what he's like in the flesh. I just went along myself and I ended up sitting next to Willie McStay and his son and we were like chatting about, you know, Lewis Morgan and Celtic and all that sort of stuff. So I have, have met him. He's He is a really nice guy. And nice, I, would have, I would never have thought he was 60, to be honest. He's, he's, he's looking good for, for 60, that's for sure. Uh, he definitely is. And he's making me feel guilty before I've even eaten tonight's pies because he is looking very fit for his age. But I'm still going to have a few macaroni pies. But one last word on this before we move to the Fenis Varos game is uh, because we do tend to go on a wee tangent as JP on a Thursday. Most of the Celtic today, though, to be fair. That's- it is. Hey, but by the way, we're only halfway through, so watch this space. Um, so Willie McStay was signed by Sean Fallon. Sean Fallon is your link back to the great 1950s sides that beat Rangers 7-1, won the double in 53-54, etc. And he's also the link to, obviously, Jock Steen, Neely Mock and Willie Fernie, that great backroom team who conquered Europe. So Willie McStay then... Um, after his playing career finishes becomes one of these guys who's involved in the youth development at Celtic and recruitment and so many players have gone through the system 
under the watchful eye and tutelage of Willie McStay. I mean, there's a whole plethora of them. If you think back over the last 20, 30 years, Willie's been there or thereabouts. But there's a great image of John Kennedy and Steve McManus both signing on the same day. You might have seen this. And again, I think it's on the Celtic wiki. And Willie McStay's in the picture. I think Tommy Burns is in the picture and both sets of parents. And they're signing on the same day, JP, right? And Willie was obviously involved in that amongst many other players. And those two guys are now in the Celtic dugout. They're going to be in the Celtic dugout tonight. And I just think that that procession, that life's blood going from Sean Fallon right up to the present day is so important for a club like Celtic because it's all about tradition. It's all about knowing what the club's all about. It's not just about you know, being a footballer and this is your job. You need to know the fabric of the club, JP. And I think that's really important with a club like Celtic. And that's why figures like William McStay, although never the highest profile guy, you know, never putting himself out there, it's so important to have people like that at the club. Yeah, just people to put their arm around new players and, and sort of hammer home what they're playing for and who they're playing for. Because if you lose that, then you, you, your club becomes sanitised. And that's the thing that, would always make me fearful of, um, you know, any of these takeover. I know that we nearly touched upon it, I think, at the end of last week or maybe the week before when we were talking about Red Bull, you know, the Red Bull rumour. Or somebody somebody put a comment up and said, Red Bull rumour or something like that, question mark. You know, if, if that was ever to happen to Celtic, and I have to say, God forbid that it would, people might argue, oh, yeah, we did, we'd have this huge influx of money and everything else, but... I don't know if it would. I think it would. It would maybe change the fabric of the club because the club wouldn't really be the same anymore, and maybe they wouldn't retain people like you know uh, Stephen McManus, Willie McStay, John Kennedy. You know, as much as people have been critical of John Kennedy, John Kennedy has been there at Celtic since he was a wee guy, and like you say, knows the fabric fabric of the club. He might be associated with last season's horror show, but. Um, a lot. Of, some of the players are are still there, and they're associated with last year's season's order. So, so I think you know, clean slates were 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 to be to be given on on that front, provided, as I said many times, provided that he was officially wanted by Ange Postecoglou. But yeah, you're right. Having people at the club that that know the the, the traditions and and you know just know the type of things types of things to say to players to get the best out of them. You know, like they can identify what type of a character a player is probably mm-hmm. within five, ten minutes of, of them being at the club and then knowing what buttons to press and what buttons not to press. Um, so, you know, th- these guys, if they get if they get a better tune out of a Cameron Carter Vickers or a, you know, Philip Jota, then th- they're worth their weight in gold being there and they're worth their, their, not just as a coach, just as a person as well. And by all accounts, well, I've, I've I've never, I've met Stephen McManus once briefly, and I've met Willie McStay. I've not met John Kennedy, but by all accounts, every, everybody I speak to all say they're really you know good people. So mm-hmm. you know you want good people at your club. You do, and you want people to understand the club, uh, the magnitude of what it means to represent Celtic. Um, I'm not coming across all you know like traditionalist here. I I, I truly believe this. It's not romanticism, JP. Mm. I watched that video of John Clark that I think he did when we had New Balance as a kit supplier. You know, it's almost like a, a tearjerker when, when he's talking and he's giving it all this. It's just unbelievable. And when you, you hear the way that Henrik Larson speaks about John Clark, the fact that a Lisbon Lions prepares the kit 
You know, that is important. That that really is important. No, I know I know some things about that, and uh, Henrik Larson really does love John Clark, and uh, they. Uh, I'm not really breaking any any rules by saying this, but they, they meet up, you know, for a cup of tea and a and a cake and a and a a random Glasgow hotel lobby when whenever Henrik Larson's in town, they they meet up, and I think that's amazing. Just to think that they've got that sort of relationship, you know, that they it's it's, it's not for the cameras, it's not for you know. It's just just for them and just to have a catch up and talk football and ah, it's 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 amazing and that 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 stretches back to John Clark being there for Henrik Larson probably in his darkest time yeah. as a football player when he was when he was out injured which was well right at this moment in time like what uh, twenty <laughs> twenty two years ago I mean it was because wow. today's the anniversary of the home game against Leon in the UEFA. Mm. We got beat one 0 and I think it was Jerome Verai that scored. Did you up. did you post the program on your Twitter page? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I looked up who's who scored and who was the team, and uh, Burchill started for Celtic uh, that night, which is incredible considering he was only what a year or so in his senior career. But um, yeah, Larson had broke his leg. I'd been at the away game that night when it happened, and you know. I mean, I'm sure as a he was a relatively young guy then, you know, like what would he have been, 20, 27, 28, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I'm sure John Quack uh, helped him a lot through that through that time. And that's when you look to these guys for help for moments when things aren't going that well, um, whether it's injury or personal stuff or whatever. So um, so I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's great when, when there's people like that at the club. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Definitely. And long may it continue. One final thing that, that Willie did speak about was um, during the 1985 European run, uh, following the Rapid Vienna fiasco, JP Celtic were forced to play behind closed doors the following season. And that was in October 1985 against Atletico Madrid. Uh, we lost the game 2-1, having drawn nothing each in Spain. Uh, Roy Aiken scoring for Celtic. But we played in front of no fans. So I was speaking to Willie about the impact of that. Uh, obviously the performance away was fine, but playing at an empty Celtic park seemed to spook the players. Murdo McLeod missed a very good chance in six minutes. Um, and then obviously last season during the, the lockdown, playing in front of no fans, and he spoke about how it's a massive, it has a massive effect. And obviously that's relevant tonight because there won't be any Celtic fans in the stadium. Do you think that'll play a big part this evening? Well, I mean, a lot, a lot of them are used to playing in front of no fans, which is unfortunate because... It's the last thing you want uh, people to get used to playing football in front of no fans. But 
now that they've they've got used to the support again that they're getting, you know, at away grounds in 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 Scotland, and they haven't had an away support at any of the European. Well, we've only played what Alkmaar and Betis. Um, I don't think we've had an allocation at those games, as far as I know. I may be mm-hmm. wrong. I didn't even attempt to try and go to either of those games. I'm not going to attempt to go to Leverkusen as well because I know. Even if we do get an allocation in Leverkusen, it'll be minimal. It'll be the same as what they got at Celtic Park, I would imagine, just to keep it, you know, quid pro quo. Um, so trying to get a ticket for that would be absolutely impossible, um, which is a shame because I just love going away in Europe. It's it's something I've got used to doing. I've been to I was in Copenhagen last year, the last one that we were at before all this chaos, and uh, I think. The, the support in the stadium, you know, can't be underestimated, especially away from home. Like, there's no way, I've not heard too many players talk about it, but there can't be anything more satisfying than scoring a goal in a home, in an away opposition stadium mm. and then running over to the away fans who've travelled hundreds of miles, have, you know, joined up cities to get to other cities. And, you know, some of, some of the stories that people go to, the lengths and breads that people go to to get to, to, to these uh, cities uh, are, are are remarkable, you know. Like, I mean, I, 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 Michael, my friend, booked us and we flew home via Athens from Munich. You know, I mean, that was just crazy. I mean, it was his logic was that it meant that we didn't need to spend a whole day in Heathrow Airport, so we we, we spent about half a day in Athens and uh, we were up in the necropolis in the Celtic tops on the way home from Bayern Munich. It's totally mental. Like I never thought I would ever be in Munich, Athens, uh, London, and then Edinburgh in the same day. But there you are. Um, it, it can happen. Dreams can come true. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I wish everything was normal. I wish we had an allocation. I probably wouldn't be sitting here speaking to you right now if we did. Um, I'd certainly, I've never been to Budapest, so I've always wanted to go. I always love going to different places. That's the beauty of supporting Celtic and mm getting to go to these places that you've never been be- been to before because I, I've been to loads of places as a result of Celtic, you know, and, and it's broadened my horizons, it's broadened my sort of travel uh, history and culture and uh, given me an opportunity to go to these places. And, yeah, so I, I really I really hope that, you know, that they just, they, I hope they just play their game and, and do what, they, what we know they can do. Um, Ferenc Farrells will have to come out. They're not going to be like Livingston tonight. No, we we know that it's it's it's, it's you know. So we're not uh, bust for them tonight, isn't it? It's when a bust for them, so that they have to come at us. And you'd like to think that we have the artillery to do some damage, especially if you know. I'd like I'd like to see James Forrest start. Um, he's had what, a couple of runouts now. Um, and he, he seems to have come through that okay. The manager said that he seems to be okay. So, I mean, he's been one of... I mean, you, you heard the reception he got when he came back uh, uh, at Celtic Park. You know, the whole stadium, despite there being this kind of like... There's always been a bit of, you know... What's the word? Um, there is a apathy. word. Apathy. What, sorry? Apathy. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's always mm-hmm. been a bit kind of like... Just taking James Forrest for granted, despite his yeah. numbers and his goals and his assists and everything else, and I think we missed it so badly, um, you know, last season, and, and 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 certainly we've missed it this season as well. You know, he would have been a really good player to have at Post Ange Postecoglou's disposal to be a starter at the start of this season to help the transition. And meanwhile, he's been kicking his heels in the stand. Same with Julian as well. I mean, it's 
it's quite mad that Forrest has overseen this huge change, but from a from a distance, from a periphery, he's not actually been able to be involved until now. So I would love to see him unleashed tonight. And James Forrest has done the business away from home in Europe before, quite a few times as well. Lazio, people always go on about in Cham's goal, but James mm-hmm. Forrest got the first goal. Yeah, and, so we uh, bit like Tony Watt's goal against Barcelona. You know, aye, we're talking aye, about Wanyama earlier. His goal was fantastic. Ah, it Charlie was. Cross, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it, 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 he's he's a, a significant player, and yeah, I, I hope that he comes in tonight and and you know shows shows everybody what what we've been missing. Um, the midfield's a tricky one. I, I, it's 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 a bit of a bag of frogs. The midfield, I don't really know what, where who goes where. Um, we'll have to wait and see. It will be an interesting. An interesting one that I don't think is going to be any surprises. I think it probably will be beat on. I think Welsh will probably come in at centre half. Um, just from the wee bits that he said about the team yesterday mm-hmm. in the press conference, I think you know um, it would be a little bit harsh on Welsh if he didn't get an opportunity in this in this situation where he's been fit and ready to play as a centre half. He's played quite a number of games for Celtic, and you know we've now got an injury to a four and a half million pound signing well why wouldn't you play uh, Stephen Welsh um, and why would you resort to playing near Beaton he's, sh- he's surely going to probably need near Beaton in the midfield so yeah um, this, this uh, is one of the big dilemmas I think um, I'm going to pull in the, some of the comments coming in Arben Kulshi who joins us on a regular basis and it's always great to see he just finished his shift roaring fire on the couch laptop at the ready love it um, are you having some macaroni pies and Bovril for the game? No, that's the question, uh, because that would top that off nicely. So welcome everybody who's getting involved in the comment section. Um, Aldo, sorry, were we late today, JP? Maybe a few seconds. Maybe a few seconds. Alan Robertson, afternoon, guys and girls. It's great to get everybody's views on this. Um, we will be talking about the team, because there's a few dilemmas in there. Uh, Patrick Murphy would line up as follows. Hart, Ralston, Cameron Carter, Vickers, Welsh, Jaranovic, McGregor, and Turnbull, Forrest, Yota, Hugo of Yakamakis. Now, giving Yakamakis a chance to redeem himself, we'll run through the team in some detail. So, first and foremost, the goalie picks himself. I mean, you know, Joe Hart, I think the big question for me is, he pound for pound, is he the best signing of the summer? I mean, you have to say, yeah, because it was a such a problem area for us and one that everybody was kind of, scrambling about thinking who are we going to get you know everybody was pining for Forster and nobody's got any faith in uh, Basilis Barkas Scott Bain is you know probably not considered by many to be worthy of being a Celtic number one Um, decent backup yes but not I mean I don't think anybody would have ever expected when we signed Scott Bain that he was going to end up being the number one at Celtic I, I don't think even he would have thought that to be honest um, so Joe Hart coming in has been, you know, he's 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 he's, he's been solid. He's he's done what a goalkeeper should do, and is keep the ball at the back of the net. You know, yes, there's been a couple of moments where it's maybe not he's maybe not looked as clever, but you know, I think just everything that he's brought to the club. There's so many people you see have changed their opinion of him, and mm-hmm. included that. I honestly didn't have a lot of time for him as a person. I knew he was a good keeper. Um, and, I, and I knew despite the way career's gone in the last few years that he would still be a good keeper for us but I just didn't know if I really liked him as a, as a guy but he's, he's shattered all of that and you know absolutely love to see someone join the football as much 
purely for a, a, a for a, a football reason and not not for the glamour or anything else. He's just he's just become entrenched in Celtic and long may that continue. So uh, he's he's straight in there, isn't he? and and I think he's helped the defence as well. There's no two ways about it. Having somebody that can shout at the back and lead from the back is is surely massive um, for a new a new defence and a, and a new unit. You know. The big thing as well, obviously, as well as hopeful, hopeful that he's still in touch with Wanyama and he can, uh, you know, uh, create a passage back to Celtic Park. You're looking at the fact that um, I, I was concerned at the amount of times that Joe Hart was put under pressure because we continually played around at the back. I don't mind playing out from the back, JP. I totally get that. I, I love watching entertaining football. But the amount of times we continually played it about at the back, which wasn't making any progress whatsoever, and it, it generally meant that Joe Hart was put under a lot of pressure. I don't like seeing him having to do wee back heels and wee shimmies and take players on and all that. But there's a couple of things I noticed, and I noticed them against Livingston as well. On two occasions, he, you know, valiantly tried to turn one of the very few Livingston attacks into a Celtic attack once it broke down. Um, he's trained the ball boys to get the ball to him, like, rapid, so that he can take a bye kick and, and get the ball up the park when necessary. That's filtered around the rest of the team as well. And I, I mentioned that to somebody on Saturday. I was like, look how quickly the ball boys are ready to give the ball back. And it's it seems to have all stemmed from Hart being that guy. You know, it was like Ralston came over to take a, 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 a shy just in front of me and the ball was in his hand almost immediately as the ball had gone out of play, you know. So I, I think that's that's potentially filtered around. Because thinking back, it did seem to always be a bit laboured, you know, mm-hmm how long that, that seemed to take. But now it's just like, bang, back on the park and off we go. It's bizarre. When you look back, you've got Macaveni over your right shoulder. It's bizarre if you look back to that era where, you know, goalkeepers took an age. They waited until everybody was back in position, then they took the bike kick. Yeah. Um, about the only opportunity we could kind of craft against Livingston was the defence-to-attack transition, which obviously there weren't that many opportunities for that. The other thing that I noticed was him coming out almost to the halfway line to prevent the ball from going out for a throw-in, just mm-hmm. to keep the possession oh, yeah. um, as well. Because the minute you get a throw-in, you're under pressure. I mean, the amount of times you lose possession from your own throw-in, mm-hmm. um, because obviously with, with Livingston, they're very resolute in defence. Basically, they're just going to f- find a Celtic jersey and then you're up against it to try and find a, a gap in a space. So I think 100%, uh, Joe Hart for me is a leader. Um, I know that officially James Forrest is the vice captain, but I would never have an issue with Joe Hart taking that captain's armband in the absence of Kyle McGregor. Um, the right back, we need to talk about Tony Ralston. He's just been given a new deal, well-deserved. Uh, again, speaking to Willie McStay, he was talking about the character of this young man, because he is still a young man. He's now played 41 games for Celtic, scoring six goals and having four assists. And he deserves that new contract. Does he deserve a Scotland call-up, though? Well, I mean, did you see the the stat that somebody put up? It was uh, Ralston versus uh, Nathan Patterson and yeah. Stephen McDonnell. And it was E-Celts or Celts, Celts are here, I think, put it up. Uh, I did yeah, see that, yeah. Their appearances and, and returns versus his. And it's almost just like... It's like you know, uh, well, you know, he's not fashionable enough, or something like that, or he's considered too rugged or raw or not crafted or whatever. I mean, that's absolute nonsense. He should hundred percent be in there. He's playing first team football for Celtic, you know, and 
what why on earth is he not being considered it's 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 quite it's quite snobbish it's, it's basically like us as Celtic fans you know digging our heels in and going oh well we don't think he should get a new contract if, if anybody thinks he shouldn't get a contract based on his contribution and his efforts then you're 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 being as blind to the to the what we're seeing in front of us as the Scotland manager is, <laughs> or yeah, you know, it, yep. it's 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 not it's really unfair. I think. I mean, I'm sure it probably doesn't bother him. I mean, he's just got a, a deal that will probably set him up for life. You know, I mean, it, it, I think he was as surprised as any of us when he got the one year deal because I think he thought probably thought he was out the door. Um, especially after pretty unsuccessful loan spells elsewhere. I mean, none of us thought this was coming. Nobody, nobody could have predicted that Anthony Ralston would become this kind of almost loved character. I mean, I see a lot of stuff online where, you know, people are, I mean, Dominic Diamond is obsessed with the guy. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Dominic Diamond is his uh, number one fan and not in a... Not in a in a mocking way or a or an ironic way. He genuinely, you know, is you know, he's, some of his patter about Ralston is pretty is pretty funny, you know, because he's he's so he's so um, passionate about him doing well. Um, so I, I mean, I, I, I I'm I'm happy. I, I I said this before on on here. I love nothing more than the than every player to be Scottish and Celtic fans, you know. And he's Scottish and he's a Celtic fan. Yes, he's probably not going to be the right back first choice going forward but I mean he was nowhere near even being in the squad um, beforehand and was wrongly bumped out of the team I think after that Livingston game that you know you pointed out he was the best player in the park and then he's disappeared and it was a bit unfair really because mm-hmm. he did play well that night um, and that was probably the, the, the sort of the beginnings of what we're seeing now and now he's working with a manager who trusts him and, and will put him in in big games and he hasn't really let us down, to be honest. I, I, I can't really recall. I'm not. I'm not. You know. Um, you know. Sort of. What's the word when you when you uh, recalibrate or not recalibrate when you? I don't know. When you when you when you try and change the narrative of of history, I'm not. I'm not doing that here. He hasn't, as far as I can remember, he hasn't let us down. He's not lost his head and got sent off. He's not. You know, giving away any terrible. You know goals or anything like that. You know he's been he's been solid. Um, so you know, I mean, he's in there tonight, and I'm sure he'll be full of confidence after after being shown confidence by the club and the, and and the manager with the new contract. Aye, I mean, in Europe alone, he's he's scored in Europe this season. He's had two absolute saving tackles. You know, um, where. It was a, it was a certain goal had it not been for the anticipation of Tony Ralston almost playing like a sweeper um, to get back and cover the, cover the lines. There are always unfashionable players at, at Celtic and at, probably at most clubs. I think he'll always fall into that category. Um, but the one thing I think that has changed in the modern game, people going about a prerequisite being a hundred percent and being committed and and your application. I don't think that that exists. Um, yes, it should be a prerequisite. It should be a given, but I don't think it exists. And I think you only need to look at last season to realise that players maybe don't down tools as much, unless your name's Olivia and Cham, but they certainly don't put in 100% effort. You just need to look for anybody who watches English football. You just need to watch Crystal Palace and the application of Odson Edwards for that mm-hmm. Palace side compared to his performances last season in a Celtic jersey. And that's a player that I 
held up here in terms of his talent. Um, everybody in their own mind, JP, has got their greatest Celtic eleven that they've seen in the flesh. And it's hard for anybody to get into that. They, they need to be a very special player to get in. You know, which midfielder is going to push Paul McStay in my team? Nobody. Um, but in recent years, we've had people like Van Dyke in my greatest eleven, And that isn't because of what he's done since he's left Celtic. I just remember yeah. him being an absolute joy to watch. I can shoulders above everybody. Like, yeah. Oh, he was unbelievable. You know, he just, the finesse of that, that player. Edward wasn't in my team, but he was getting there. He was he was that talented. But his application last season left a lot to be desired. So I think when you're talking about Ralston and the dedication and the commitment, it's not a given. It is a quality in a player now nowadays. Um, and I think fully deserved. And time the time will come. He will get a, a cap for Scotland, I'm pretty sure. But what it does mean is the the right back who we signed to be a first choice at the moment, anyway, is um, playing left back. And I think, yeah, he should be playing left back in, in relation to the fact that he's probably the best left back that we've got at the moment who's mm. fit, even though his natural position is a right back. But question for me would be, after what happened uh, at the weekend, does Juranovic go back on the penalties? What would that do if, indeed, Yakimakis is on the park, if Juranovic gets the penalties? or you know, That's a dilemma. Do they go back to Yakamakis to try and give him a wee bit of confidence? Let's go over this. Does it depend on the, the stage of the game? If it's nothing each with a minute to go, who gets the penalty? I mean, uh, that, that, I mean, do you know what? See, see thinking about that penalty, and uh, by the way, on penalties, I do need to uh, address something from last week, and I'll do it very quickly just now uh, before we talk about Giacomakis, is When we were talking last week about the Rangers penalty that was given against... Uh, Aberdeen mm-hmm. Bates remember, remember I said and I've specifically said if Bates has done something then I'll hold my hands up and say right okay so I uh, you put the, the post up on Twitter and uh, a Rangers fan as they want to do watch this last week and immediately put a screenshot and put awkward with an emoji and then a picture where you can see the shirt being pulled now it's it's it's, it's clear as it's clear as day. The shirt was pulled. Sakala absolutely made the most of it because there's no way that that shirt pull caused Sakala to go down in that fashion. He completely and utterly bought the penalty, and Bates's lack of reaction shows that. Oh, I've pulled his shirt. I've I've, I've got no, I've got no complaints. Mm-hmm. But it, there's there's no way you can tell me that that caused Sakala to go down. He's just been cute and he's got he's won the penalty. And by the letter of the law. He's pulled his shirt. How how beaten has seen that? I do not know. But because I mean, I watched it as I said last week. I watched it about ten times before we came on here, and I couldn't see that shirt pull. But obviously, if you slow it down and screenshot it, then you can see the shirt getting pulled back. So there you go, Rory, whatever your name is. Hope you're watching this week. You said that we spoke about Rangers for an hour, but you only watched ten minutes. So. Let's see how much you're watching this week. Um, I've held my hands up. I said what I said last week. I'm saying what I said this week. So there you go. Bang. Off you go. Um, <laughs> the, um, the Celtic penalty taking thing. You remember Dembele got given a penalty in, in a Champions League qualifier. Mr mm-hmm. Dembele. Was, it, was, was that in the last minute? Or was it? It was. It was. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because I wasn't at the game because I was in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember that particularly well because um, I was somewhere else and I, I couldn't be at the game. But yeah, yeah. absolutely, last minute. That, that, that kind of made Dembele. That, that, mm-hmm. People were all 
you know, I, there was question marks over Dembele up until that point. And I, I remember that very significantly that he scored that, put away that penalty. And that gave him the, the sort of G up maybe that he needed at that point as a young, uh, new Celtic striker. And, and, and that could have been what happened with Giacomacchus on Saturday. For whatever reason, whether it was pressure or not, I don't know, but his penalty was woeful. Um, Astana, there you go. Cheers, Kev. Stato. Um, uh, that, that penalty could have given him that G up and maybe that was the thinking and not changing it because a lot of people have said, you know, the, the order should have come from the manager to say, right, oh no, I know we said Giacomacchus would be the penalty taker, but give it to Juranovic because it's the last minute. We're nil-nil. This is an important, uh, a really important moment. And, you know, there's an alternate universe. Kev Graham likes them. Uh, where where Juranovic has taken that penalty and scored, I've no doubt about it at all. It's a it's a tricky one now. How do you go back? How do you revert back? How do you pull it away? Because you don't want to destroy Jack and Marcus's confidence. Because I think before Saturday, I think everybody was starting to think, "Well, this guy looks all right." He'd come on against uh, uh, Ferns. Was it Ferns Varos in the last? Yeah. Yeah, it was fair. Yeah, yeah, at home. Yep. He looked strong in that game and, and looked like he was, uh, you know, prepared to show what he could give the club. So I, 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 I don't know. I, if it was me, I would definitely say, and it should have been Juranovic anyway, because I would have always said it's it's a it's a player's uh, place to take the penalties until they miss one, because that seemed to be how things have gone in the past. So um, yeah, I, I would I would have thought. Um, for the time being, because he's on the park. Juranovic is playing. Giacomacchus hasn't been playing every single game. So I think Colin alluded to this. Why would you not you know, have your, your number one uh, penalty taker who's going to be on the park all the time to take the penalties? Um, so, yeah, I, that, 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 but I'm you know, happy with Juranovic at left back and certainly uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers and, and Welsh as the centre half as well. That again, that that's a big one because he did mention Welsh. Uh, he called him Welsh and he called Beaton Nero. So I don't know if uh, that's his new nickname, uh, Nero Beaton. But I, I was of the view that I've seen, we have seen Welsh dropped twice this season. Um, he was dropped after the Livy game. He was dropped before the Hearts game at the beginning of the season. And I felt, yeah, I know he's not perfect. I know he, he's made a few mistakes, uh, JP. But I, I, I do, I do look at Welsh as being a first team player. Like Ralston, who I think will be in and around the squad for the next three, four, five years. But I'm not sure if Ange is 100% convinced with him. And I think he's going to play safe uh, and potentially play beat on uh, at centre half tonight. Uh, and then I asked, uh, by the way, I wouldn't. I'd play Welsh every day of the week. But then I look at uh, Liam Scales and I wonder why he's so out of favour. I, I, I'm not saying for a moment throw him in there because there's no way I'd be thrown in a player who's who's had fleeting appearances mm. in a big European game away from home. But he is a natural left-sided centre-half. And if he had more games under his belt, perhaps he would have been an option. Is it a concern that he's not really been given the nod by Ange? I would say so, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't really... I don't know what's what's stopping him getting, getting the game time, um, whether it's at left-back or left-centre-back or whatever. You know, like, it, it just seems a little bit odd because... He's come in with good pedigree, and uh, he's come in with you know a lot a good number of games under his belt as well. Um, and he has looked good when he's come on in, in the in the brief moments that we've seen him. 
you'd think he would have got a start by now. We're in November. You know, I know it's been uh, pretty hectic in terms of the fixtures and everything else, but, um, you know, we've got we've got to be able to see what this guy can give. And I think the manager has to be able to see what he can give as well yeah. and see how he, how he stands up in a game, you know, against any opponent, never mind whether it's Europe or, or Scotland or whatever. Um, because, you know, you need you need to have an idea. I mean, he's given Jack Amakis a game. Um, he was sort of on the fringes for a while, so I don't know. I, I don't. It's, I like. I'm like you. It certainly won't happen tonight. And I, but I would like to think that that Welsh would be given uh, the chance tonight um, mm-hmm. because he's 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 not. I don't think really Welsh has let us down. Was he at fault for the Livingston goal? Possibly, but I mean, I, I don't think that's quite harsh to hold that against them. You know, the rest of the team didn't perform that day. As, as they should um, so to, to sort of hang him out to dry for that is a bit harsh mm-hmm. uh, so I guess, I guess we'll it's intriguing to see what, what's going to happen because um, it does seem a little bit up in the air at the moment in terms of what, what we're going to see tonight yeah and, and the decision of whether or not to play Welsh will have a knock-on effect in the midfield so yeah. for example if Beaton plays centre-half then you're asking the question about McCarthy Playing the number six. Well, what I would certainly do is for me, McGregor um plays midfield but in a more advanced area. You play a number, you play your holding midfielder, be that near beat on James McCarthy. It's not going to be sorrow because he's another one who's fallen out of favour. Mm. But I would play Turnbull in Logic's role. I would play Kyogo through the middle. I'm not dropping Yakamakis, it's just squad rotation. Mm-hmm. And like yourself, I definitely would play Forrest on the right. I think Abada's gone off the boil a wee bit. Mm-hmm. And then on, on the left, he ought to pick himself. Uh, but it is good to have those options, JP, down the left and the right. We didn't have that for a long time. You've now got Mikey Johnson, Abada, Forrest and Yota. By the way, I know, I know it doesn't really matter or anything at all, but did you see Jota's, um, the way he brought the ball down on I, Saturday? Oh, it was just <laughs> I mean, supreme. Uh, somebody around about me said that's up there with Lubo, um, you know, controlling it on his, his rear end. I, yep. know, I was at that game, I remember it very, very well. Um, I mean, he, Jota even stopped to take the applause. He, he took a like, moment, didn't he? He took a moment to be like, <laughs> what about that? <laughs> and I, I'll, I'll, I'll love that in a player. You know, there, there's, there's, it's, it's few and far between now and these days, you know, it's, it's, you don't really see that kind of, uh, it wasn't showboating, really. It was just, it was just skill, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was, he wasn't taking the mic. He didn't stand in the ball and give a salute or anything like that. I mean, that that really is taking the mic. But if you remember who did that, yeah, yeah, I yeah. do. I do. He <laughs> yeah. he was uh, Brian McClure's uh, roommate for a spell. That player that you're talking about. Oh, of course. Yeah, uh, United. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Aye, aye. That's pretty cool. But uh, no, I, I I I do like Jota a lot and. Uh, you know, I think he is is fast. I mean, if everybody was delighted with Ralston signing a new contract, which they, you know, seem to be, you know, Jota, if Jota puts pen to paper on uh, on a deal, I think that will even eclipse the reaction you saw for uh, for Ralston. I'm sure Celtic social media could have a lot of fun in the build up to that. I saw that they had this sort of brick wall with the eyes peeking out for the for the for the Ralston signing. Um, uh, so yeah, they, they could definitely have a lot of fun with that. I'm thinking Faith, George Michael, Wham, all sorts of stuff. Um, we'll wait and see. Absolutely. 
But uh, you brought them up. You brought George Michael up. So I'm going to mention the fact that uh, last night we did the first of a new show on the channel. It's called the Oasis Album Club. What's that got to do with Wham? Well, one of the questions is, if you could drop one of the songs, one of the songs, JP, for one of the B-sides, what would it be and why? My decision was to drop Married With Children with Fade Away. Fade Away is a rip-off of a Wham song. So there's how I've managed to bring that right round. I'll tell you something else, though. Have you ever seen the George, the George Michael documentary? It's called Freedom. It's absolutely amazing. It's one of the best music documentaries. He was working on it before he died, um, and so he's he's part of the the you know the contribution. It wasn't just like a post a posthumous uh, documentary. He was involved in it. And the interview, they go around my record player and go to like you know famous either singers or film stars or whoever. And they take a record player and play, and they get the record player to play a track of, you know, George Michael or Wham, and Liam Gallagher's in it, and he is a massive George Michael fan. Yep. Like they put, they put on, um, uh, what song is it? Uh, these, this is these are the days of the open hand. Ah. Uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the track. Is it the George Michael track that he, that he puts on, and William Gallagher just sits back and goes boom like that, and he goes, he goes, John Lennon could have wrote that. Aye, so uh, I'm going to have to watch that. I'm going to have to watch. Oh, have you, have you ever noticed the 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 similarities between Fade Away and Freedom? I'm going to need to listen to them back to back now. To, Type to it into YouTube because somebody's done that comparison thing. So fire it into YouTube, JP. I um, I will do. God, they've done it back to back. Do that. Uh, they done it back to back, like the the like the on the, the two songs back to back. Yeah. Ah, right, okay. Aye, aye. So it's it's a proper rip-off. But I will have a look at that. Um I definitely will, and I'm sure the social media team at Celtic will be looking for some kind of George it's Michael. Praying. It's praying for time. The song oh, is that the right? Yeah, it's an absolutely amazing. They were neighbours, weren't they? Liam and, and George Michael, they were neighbours. Were they? Whenever they live in London, yeah. Yep. Oh, it's Primrose Hill, wasn't it? Is that neck of the woods? Aye. But I, I just loved it when I saw Liam, you know, speaking so passionately about about him, and then especially that song as well, because uh, I, I saw George Michael live once, twenty twelve, unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. And I know my very own Russell Boyce is a big George Michael fan yes, as well. Yes, oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> you said neighbours in Fife, we say neighbour, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are next door neighbours. Um, but on that note, yeah, tune into the Oasis album club and JP has said it live on the show hold him to it he will be part of the panel for be here now um, subscribe to the channel everybody keep getting involved by the way I haven't even done the draw for last month's prizes there are three prizes up for grabs the first one is a Bobby Lennox signed and framed print by the one and only Lemon Bobby Lennox the second prize is two tickets to Bend It Like Bertie in Greenock at the Beacon Arts and what's the third prize, JP? Can you remember? There's a third prize. I can't even remember. Let me have a look. I, I can't go without saying this. What's the other one? There we go. Um, the October prizes, a sign and frame Bobby Lance, an Etive watch. There you go. A brand new Etive watch. Beautiful Christmas present either for uh, your loved one or for yourself. So there you go. All you need to do is subscribe. Get in a prize draw. I'll probably do that Um Pre-match, half-time and post-match tonight. That's what we'll do against Ferenc Varos when Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Conley comes to the studio to eat my pies and drink my bovril. Um, 
it's always a pleasure on a Thursday. That's why we've ran over a wee bit, JP, because it's the only chance I get to chat to you during the week. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved in the comments section. It's an absolute pleasure um, when you join us on A Celtic State of Mind. We'll be back tonight at 7.30 for, for the pre-match, and hopefully we will get a result, and hopefully we'll see you then. Thanks for joining us on the Axon Bulletin. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad, because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.